we're starting a new four-week series today called Riding the Rails. And if you think of a train track, it has two rails, and basically the job is to keep on the track. That what happens if we don't stay on the rails is we get off track and we crash, we have struggle, we get debilitated from where we're going. And we're looking at that from a relational perspective, saying that we believe God has given us guidelines, kind of rails to stay on in relationship that move us ahead. And let's be honest, we live in a time where broken relationships have never seemed more common and we've never struggled more than we do in our current history. So what we're gonna do in this series is look at an excerpt from one of the books of the Bible called James. Now before I get into that, just let me give you a little background in terms of this book of James. It's unlike a lot of other of what are called the books in the New Testament, letters really, that are written to different churches in different areas. What these are is they're a big pulling together of wisdom from James. Now James himself was the brother of Jesus and one of the early significant leaders in the church. And it was, this letter was given to go all throughout the different places in the world where there were Jewish Christians, where these early believers were. And it was kind of a, a series of wisdom and insight that James had. So it doesn't read like a letter where there's this long and kind of formulated structure to it. It gives different ideas, more like what we call Proverbs, where there's wisdom. And it's just kind of there in different places, but there's themes throughout the book. And so we're gonna look at one of those themes that relates to relationships and how we interact together. And with that, we're gonna go to James chapter one. <clears throat> and it begins this way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now he's gonna tie it, this basic idea of how we relate to each other to something much more profound in the faith realm. He says, therefore, if you want to understand why this is hard, rid yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In a simple way of understanding it, it's saying, if you really are living out what God's teaching you spiritually, it will affect your relationships, relationally, emotionally. They're connected is what he's saying. He makes it even clearer a little further into the same chapter. In 20, verse 26, he says, those who consider themselves religious, God following, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Does that sound a little strong to anybody? Do any of us here struggle with saying something we shouldn't? Just honestly, anybody say something they shouldn't? The tight rein ain't working so well, is it? I mean, it's a pretty strong statement. He's telling us you don't realize how powerful it is the way you use your words. In fact, as we go through the book, he speaks of things. He'll get into this whole idea. We'll look at it more next week, but he compares the mouth to a fire taking place that expands to all sorts of different things that are kind of metaphors for how a small thing like the tongue affects everything around it. Now, what I wanna do for this series is go back to this first verse we looked at. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Oh, be quick to listen, no problem. Got that covered, check it on the box. Has anyone ever told you you don't listen well? Again, show of hands. Yep, most of us, if not all of us, have had times where people say, hey, you don't hear me, you don't understand. And we can relate. It, it's an easier said than done activity, isn't it? To learn to listen. 
So, so I'll give you an example from my life, not from a one-on-one relationship, but actually I'm in a group and I'm leading this interaction and conversation and we have someone on our staff that's leaving the staff, we're celebrating them, people have been telling them great things. I'd ask them to share a little bit um, of what's going on and in the course of their time, I checked out in the listening and began to think about what was next. And so as I'm kind of checking back in towards the end and thinking, oh, I need her to tell people what she's gonna be doing, it's really significant. So I said, hey, would you mind sharing what you're gonna be doing after this? And I had checked out so long, I had not realized what she'd been sharing already. And in her incredible grace, she turned to me and said, well, as I just told everyone in great detail, I mean, there was no backing out of that. The train came off the track. And I share that with you because I don't think I'm alone. And I know we understand the idea that we're to be quick to listen, but letting it get from here to here and becoming a skill we live in, there's a big difference between. And so what we're gonna do today is get into greater detail and kind of hands-on how we can do this, how we get better at it. So I'm gonna ask Pete Newhouse to join me in just a minute. Pete is the CEO of Winning at Home and we, I'll tell you some more about him in a minute. But we're gonna look at some kind of helpful do's and don'ts of listening, some practical steps each of us need to get better at to do this. But just to introduce it, it, so you don't think my story alone, and oh, that's just me, I want you to just see a short video that Pete uh, shared with us that will give you a picture of how we can miss listening well. Take a look. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just don't. Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? We can work it out. We can work it out. Anybody been there? And this is not even just between couples. This can be relating to anyone that we have very different ways of listening and understanding. Uh, So Pete and I are gonna get into a little more specific conversation. I wanna introduce uh, Pete to you this way. Uh, We have a history. Uh, Peter and his wife were part of our church years ago and when we planted Watermark Church, which is on the south side of Grand Haven, they went and are part of that still. Pete's also on the lead team, is on the board there. And so we have a part of history with that. But I also want you to know, before that, uh, Peter was the 
We had a counseling center next door. There's no longer a building there. And Peter was the leader of that. Not that we got rid of it over you. He left and we just threw the building out. No. But I think earlier in the life of the church, it was the time that we were growing and understanding how emotional health and spiritual health connect. They're not opposites or different. They're part of life, just as we're even seeing in this passage. And so I want to tell you that Peter was a big part of that growing in our culture and has been part of our legacy that we're grateful for. I wanna give you one more picture of his life beyond what he does at Winning at Home. Uh, he's served our missionaries with the Wesleyan movement for I think 15, 20 years. So he, goes, he at least goes overseas a couple times a year for the different times the missionaries gather and offers support, counseling, encouragement, and then offers it as well outside of his job just as a serving to them. They Skype with him regularly. So you have to understand it's not just providing counseling, it's ongoing years of relationship that has helped our movement. So I just want you to welcome him and thank him for those pieces. I think that's all. Is that all? Yeah, it's good. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be here. I love being a part of what you guys are doing. And uh, it's fun from Watermark perspective to see the impact you guys are having here in the community. And then also regionally with Muskegon and beyond. And then when we connect some you know, globally even, watching the impact you guys have had with sending people and just supporting so many different missionaries. It's, it's great to hear. And almost always I'm doing something either locally, like I said, or globally, and people are like, oh yeah, All Shores is supporting. I was like, yeah, figures, that's cool. Um, so it's always kind of a backstory behind them. Yeah. So yeah, it's really cool, and thanks for including me. Yeah, I glad we get shirt. to. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> really makes your eyes pop. Yeah, it's good. I'm just not really sure where to go with that, but okay. No, no don't say anything. Just, just like. <laughs> well, so you've got Pete and repeat now is what you have for this whole message. Uh, somebody asked me, who's older and wiser? And I said, well, I'm older, he's wiser. We made that clear. But hopefully we'll have some good things. And hopefully. the reason I asked uh, Peter to speak with us is this is what he does for a living. And, you know, it's one of those pieces where you go, okay, we should understand how to listen, but it's really hard. And it's something we have to grow in. So we talked a little about do's and don'ts. Let's, let's just start <clears throat> with the idea that how much of communicating are the words and what other things play into that, just to kind of give us a backdrop of how we think about it. Yeah, that's really good. I, I just want to start out with going, I've been hanging out with couples and people for 27, 28 years. And just when you're in those intimate settings, um, talking through tough stuff, and you're thinking a lot, about communication and different aspects of communication, listening specifically. It's like many of you, there's, it's, you're, you're, if you've been an accountant for 25, 30 years and you know a lot about accounting and you're really gifted in that way and you think about a lot, or some other field, engineering or whatever it might be, you understand that a lot. However, I'm, I'm kind of setting this up with this, however, actually doing it, so you may be an accountant, but your finances are not necessarily great personally. And I think a lot of times I can come up here, my wife's here today um, in this service, so I kind of want to set up this disclaimer. I know a lot about it, and I help a lot of other people with it, but it's still something I'm struggling with, trying to grow in. So I'm joining you in this process, even pre preparing this week, going, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I need to look at again, and I can get better at personally as well. So that's the setup, just to kind of 
Can I appreciate the disclaimer. Yes, yes. I would share that with you. <laughs> Not that you have it, but I bring that right. to the table as well. Right. Vast incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We'll talk but skill. More. We'll talk more. <laughs> Vast incompetence. It's pretty strong. Hey, uh, yeah. Thanks for being my counselor on that. Sure, I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, the different aspects of communication. He and I have been talking a lot this <coughs> week, last couple of weeks about this. One thing that's often overlooked by me and I think a lot of you probably in this age of technology that we're in, and I keep going, okay, well, it can't get worse or more tech, technology-driven than it is, and then two years pass or three years pass, and you're like, wow, the expectation of people to respond on their cell phones or in social media, and just the impact it's having is ma massive and mammoth. So just some aspects quick of like listening and or communication in general. Only about 7% of all the communication we do is words. So 93% is not even in the words we Absolutely. use. Absolutely. Which is scary, again, because yeah. if you're reading things, obviously there's a lot of different ways to communicate other than just words, even in social media. But generally speaking, it's primarily words. The, the second group of that communication is 30% is tone. So how you say it, just the, the intonation, the, the way in which you say certain things. And again, just simple things like if you say, great, thanks, if someone asks you to do something, or if you go, great. Thanks. Completely different message, right? Um, and, and we love sarcasm, so we got to be careful. Uh, no, not we, careful. We have to be careful. If you hear the no, phrase... we have to be careful. <laughs> Carefully using our... No. So if you hear the phrase, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, you probably should pay attention to Correct. that. Correct. Correct. Again, I'm working on that. That's a big <clears throat> area of growth for me coming up in the future with... Well, with, with like... In-law, ch children, I have a son-in-law now, and just like he doesn't appreciate me as much as my own children do in some ways, or get my tone. So he takes me either too serious or gets offended, and so I'm growing in this. Um, then there's 63% of all communication is body language, gestures, and nonverbal things. I know, that's just huge to me. So, so think of today how much we communicate over devices. Can you read you can't read 93% of what's being said over a device. I mean, I want you to think about that and how it affects us. Have you had somebody write an email or a text and be really upset because of how you read it? Oh, you bet you have. So it's a good thing for us just to remember we already struggle. You had some, some thoughts too on how we kind of deal with that, some proactive things we can do to better attend to the person that we're listening to. What were some of those yeah, I'll share the basic, simple stuff because that's, to me, what most of us need when I spend most of my day doing, most of my week doing, and then I'll let you do the profound, <laughs> philosophical stuff um, and integrate <coughs> scripture more. But yeah, I think some basic do's that, again, are often forgotten throughout our day, throughout a week because it takes time or we just get in the habit of texting people. And I do too. Again, I'm saying all this in light <coughs> of I get caught up in that too because it's just quicker, easier. And it's a way that you can connect with multiple people, even at the same time in a group text or whatever it might be. But I think some simple things that often get us in trouble when we're trying to communicate is things like making eye contact. And that sure is really <laughs> helping you. Um, no, but, but eye contact. Um, and just making sure that you're connecting with the person that way. And it's something your mom probably told you as a child, and it's still true today, that making eye contact is and, really important. And you would say with that, 
it helps you to engage. It's not just that I'm looking at you thinking I'm looking, it's I'm actually attending to you. Because I know for me, when I look around, I start paying attention to other things like, oh, squirrel, oh, I'm gone somewhere else anyway. Absolutely, yeah, so it's for both of us. It makes me feel respected if I'm speaking, but it also helps you stay connected and focused, for sure. I I think really focusing on content, I think it's easy for me a lot of times to get distracted by some mannerism, someone that's speaking to me about, or the way that they say certain things versus the actual content. I think we get caught up in that. And then you talked about the distraction piece. I think that's um, something that happens easy. So trying to stay focused and being intentional. I think one other thing that you and I have talked about some, and I'll let you expound on this too, but like asking good questions. I think that's something that definitely we all can get better at and even preparing before a conversation. And again, it's one of those things like in a business setting or in a professional setting, you're probably thinking through what you wanna say, kind of an agenda. At times I've even written notes to myself of what to do or not do in a certain situation or certain questions to ask. Yeah, so you would say with that, I mean that was one of the things we've talked about is the idea of focusing on content and even how I explore further, there are barriers that keep us from listening to the content because of how we interpret. So one of the barriers is I hear something and I interpret it negatively. Like even if you're giving me some constructive criticism, I might hear it as I'm bad, I get this whole defensive posture. So now I'm, I'm seeking, I've, I've misread the content and now I'm perceiving it as how do I defend myself? And we talked about this a couple of times, the idea that in my interactions, am I listening to win? Or am I listening to really understand? In fact, I shared in the first service, it was a pretty significant moment in our married life for Jane and I when uh, we were interacting. And to be quite honest, if we argue, I do win. I'm good at it. I I don't mean this in any... You win in the moment. I win in the moment, yeah, yeah. (laughs) On the scoreboard I'm keeping, I win. (laughs) So there was a defining moment when she really honestly said, do you want to know what's real or do you want to win? And it was a defining awakening for me, like, oh, I often want to win. I get so, the content I hear makes me get in combative mode, and that takes me away. And that's one of the ways we can do it. Another one I I thought about as we were talking was how sometimes we hear something and we think of our own story, and that takes us off guard too. And and I particularly notice that in grief places where someone's sharing grief and you want to tell them yours, thinking, oh, I'll help them by talking about me for a long time. It's like, I don't think that really helps, does it? I mean, would you say yes to those, that those are part of that? Yeah, I I think for sure. I think we get into a lot of problems when we, because generally speaking, I, we are pretty selfish. And so, and and I try to not assume that about everybody, but like, I think we do think about ourselves and our own Mm -hmm. story and our own journey. And we do it on the guys that we're relating to them, right? We're we're relating to this person. We're connecting. You're totally connecting. You told your little story, now let me tell mine. (laughs) Watch us connect. (laughs) Exactly. But in the process, I feel devalued or feel like you're not really listening, especially if your story is bigger and better. Or you add something to it. Or at least I think it's bigger and better. Right, or way funnier. Yeah, so there's those people. You may know some that really? think they're the funniest person in the room. Yeah. So what are you really trying to say to me, Pete? <laughs> that you're really funny. Hey, I agree what, what with I you. Hear you say. <laughs> so I think multitasking, I'll, I'll, let's move on from that. Okay. Um, I think multitasking is a huge problem that I have again with all the social media, all that's going on. I purposely after first message realized that I have my cell phone up here along with his, my iPad, his iPad. And that's just like a sign of the time. So I think that's a problem that I have a lot of times is I'll listen to you, but then I'll check texts 
drive a car and probably eat something. Because um, I can get all that done on my drive to work or my mm-hmm. drive home from work. Or when Sean and I are processing at night and she's sharing something and something that's really important for her, I can check like three or four texts yeah. really easy because they're not like real in-depth. So. Has she ever said to you, hey, what else are you doing right now? And I say nothing <laughs> but looking at my phone. Right. It is amazing how you're it's not connected very, in that. Yeah, it's very distracting <clears throat> a lot of times. Yeah. So when you talk about content and focusing on that, I know you've talked about active listening. Can you describe that to us a little bit? You said you go into questions, but what's the, the actual process of active listening where you... Yeah, I think, I, again, a lot of this is pretty simple stuff, pretty straightforward in a lot of ways, but we don't actively do it a lot of times or, or consistently do it maybe. So I think eye contact's a big part. I think if you can touch the other person, obviously if it's an appropriate way, but as you're talking with My people... My nice shirt. I love your shirt. Um, <laughs> I'll probably wrinkle it right now, so sorry. But just, yeah, touching them if that's appropriate. Um, because, again, that makes them feel valued, and it's hard to get distracted when you're touching them or have your hand on them. And I think I'm trying to physically engage them with just body posture. And I think a lot of times preparing for the conversation, especially if it's something that's important. And for me, a lot of times... Again, I do this well professionally, but I don't do it personally, where I write a couple questions or a couple reminders to me like, shut up, Peter. Don't say anything. Be silent. Because otherwise I jump in, I'm relating to people, I get excited. There's something that we're talking about that's passionate, not necessarily frustrating passionate, but just something I'm excited about. And then I realize, wow, that was like a five-minute monologue about something that is important to me, but I'm not sure they care about it. Yeah. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> it's, it's important though, isn't it? Yeah. It's easy. It's amazing how hard it is to be quick to listen because you move on to things you want to say or do or even engage in. <clears throat> you mentioned then having questions you prepare, and you said you'll even have different ones for different people. Things that you you kind of engage in and go, "How do I do this?" I know for me, it helps me get out of my reactive mode to treat it like I'm a detective. My job is to really understand what they're saying. So even questions to explore intention, what they mean by it, to try to take myself out of all my tendencies to react helps me in that. Yeah, and I think some of my questions or notes are content-based, like, hey, ask them about this. Like for my kids, ask them about their classes um, for college or something like that. But I think a lot of it's more process questions, like ask them or notes to me about process, like, don't talk as much or make sure that you're doing this or that or whatever it is. I do think that really good listening takes practice. I think it's purposeful. I think it's active because I think there's a huge difference between being thin and being fit. And I think there's a huge difference between listening and just hearing someone or being quiet. I think a lot of people are quiet people, but they don't necessarily listen. That's a brilliant insight. So you're even comparing it to kind of the ongoing development and building muscles. Like, Absolutely. this is something that takes time. It takes a lot of repetition. It takes a lot of practice. Right. <clears throat> and I think we're both hoping we'll spur people on today. And we've been spurred on this week of just yeah. going, what is that one or two things that I want to think about or that I need to change? Because everybody around me is counting on it. Yeah, that, that was something you shared. And I, I'll, <clears throat> I'll ask it of all of you. Because uh, we kind of came to this conclusion. So do you think that there's something that you're aware of that other people tell you you don't do well in listening. If you think, oh, I know what it is, just raise your hand. Like, I know I have a shortcoming in this one. 
Yeah, and I do too, and I think most of us do. Most of us, if we have interactions, have an idea of what it might be. And, and I love how you're saying it. It isn't something that happens overnight, but our commitment to grow in it, just like we grow in faith, just like we grow in our own health, is the pursuit. So, so let me just broaden to kind of this, the more philosophical, the, the broader question. As we talked about kind of listening as an incarnational activity in the very way of Jesus, how do you kind of explain that or think about it to help us? Yeah, that's good. I, th- I think a lot of us have heard, you know, how do you spell love? It's T-I-M-E, time. And I think listening is all like that. Like you, you, you have to take time. You have to spend time with a person to show them love and to really listen. So I think it's a time factor. And for me personally, when I think of the life of Christ and him hanging out with the disciples, investing in them, a lot of times they'll be together for, it appears, two or three days. They'll be walking from one place to the other and or in a boat for a long period of time. And there's like a quote or two that comes out of that, right? There's a couple really good, there's maybe a parable or a, couple, a really good story that he shares. You can read that like in two minutes or five minutes. So what was the other two and a half, three, four days like? My, I'm convinced... Because, again, if, if you've hung around someone that you say, man, that person's really Christ-like, they listen a lot. And I think Jesus spent most of his time, he'd say a couple little truths or encourage, or, but I think most time he just spent listening, quietly listening, letting them process, talk through their worries, fears, concerns, hopes, and just listen, engage with them in that way. I love that. That was profound when you shared that with me, that there's so much implied. So we have this economy of words in the scriptures, but Jesus' investment of life and time and listening and question asking brought incredible breakthrough. And so it's really about your life changing towards this. And one of the things we have to be honest about is we live in a very busy, noisy culture. So you have to run countercultural to even learn to do this. It's not just, oh, now I lean in and listen, and then I'm back to running 90 miles an hour. We have to kind of look at that at a longer look. And I love how you said that, that Jesus' incarnation way was being present regularly and building quality out of that. I want to offer one more <clears throat> kind of way to think about this. And it's, um, it's from Pete Scazzaro, who's a pastor in New York, they have a a model called incarnational listening and they look at the life of Christ and help us kind of look at it through this lens. So I wanna explain it to you this way. If you think of Jesus as being in heaven, he leaves his world to come to us. When we listen, we leave our world. That is really important to get because we tend to listen and say, it's still me. We tend to keep ourselves so connected to whoever we're talking to that we think we're one and the same and we're trying to get us to agree about everything. Have any of you ever felt like if they don't agree, it's wrong? I mean, I do that. I I get in this bad place where if we see things differently, I'm already in trouble. Jesus interacted by leaving his world and coming to ours. That's what we do. When he enters our world, that's what we do. We enter another's world when we listen. The very activity of listening is saying, I'm gonna enter where you are, not I'm simply gonna be where I am. It's a great way to understand it. Now I wanna enter your world, which helps me in how I connect because now I'm trying to enter to their perspective. Even if we go back to the idea that we saw in the video with the idea it's not about the nail, his perspective was let's fix the problem. Hers was just understand me, enter my pain and my struggle. And by the way, for many of us, that alone is a big learning. If you just figure out the person wants to be understood instead of their problems fixed, that will tell you tons of things will get resolved just by being empathetic and learning. 
The next part of this, and there's four, is that he held on to himself. In other words, he didn't lose his identity in coming to the earth. When we listen, we don't have to agree. That is profound for me. Oh my goodness, I don't have to agree with everything you think. Jesus enters our world, he comes and is with us, but it doesn't mean he agrees with everything. And this is the last point, is he, he hung between the two worlds. I may not like what I hear, but I can hang between the tension of two different perspectives. And I thought this is just a, a helpful way to even think about listening differently if you kind of look at it through the lens of Jesus. His world, our world, he enters our world, he's still himself, and we can live in the tension of disagreement and difference. So it's kind of a, a stronger, and you can then attach a lot of what we're talking about into principles. As, as Pete and I prayed about this, talked about it this week, we kind of had this one simple idea that we think would be helpful to you. Listening is the pathway to knowing and loving others. You cannot know and love others if you don't know how to listen. And I think this is big for us to go, what's our job as followers of Jesus? We love God and we love others. And if we don't learn to listen, I think that's part of why James says things like, man, if you don't keep control of your words, if you don't learn how to be quick to listen in these things that follow, you kind of make your faith seem small or insignificant. And so what we're asking is not build a few skills. We're saying, will you actually pursue life the way Jesus does and move into maybe one of these skills? What you said too was kind of recall to me kind of the idea of taking one thing and kind of working on it, how you talked about that. Yeah, I think I'm always going, one is that one or two things for myself. Once God prompting in my spirit or through maybe a whole bunch of people around me or at least a couple of people around me or through a lot of people around me going, what is that one or two things that I need to really take it up a notch or grab hold of or change about myself? That's great. So our encouragement is maybe to take some step, but just to awaken to, I need to become really skilled and growing at how I actually listen. And make no mistake, if you're not sure what to do, ask the people around you because we know what we are missing. Others of us see what you're blind to the same way others see what I'm struggling with. So I wanna thank Pete, if you'll thank him with me for what he did with us today. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna respond with celebrating communion together. Lord, I thank you for this time together, for the encouragement, the words that Pete had for us, the encouragement we have together to pursue being people that actually are quick to listen. Lord, we ask that whatever you want to speak to each of us in here, what's one or two things you want us to move in that we would grow in that today? So lead us together, Lord, for your glory, for our joy, and for transforming power that helps us to love and know each other better. I pray this in your name. Amen.